Hey everyone, this is Johnny Mack, uh, the Extended Chill Podcast with Julia Elaine from Elaine Mental Performance. Uh, welcome, Julia. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, listen, I'm really excited to have you here because you're really the first mental skills coach, if you will, um, that we've had on. And I think it's a, a really important topic with the anxieties and stress involved now in youth sports because it's gotten so crazy. Um, you know, the young athlete today isn't like when I was a young athlete, you just played and you had fun and, th and that was it. And everything's getting a little more complicated with specialized training, with travel teams. And I think um, the work you're doing with your clients um, is uh, unbelievably needed now. Um, I think the kids need a, uh, someone like you around them to kind of help them, gui help guide them through the process. Um, and, and I'm really happy to have you on. And if you could just get a little bit into your background. Um, you have a new book coming, which uh, we're very excited about in February. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but just your background and how your experience as a young athlete guided you to doing what you're doing now. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, full story all the way back. I mean, I grew up in a very sports oriented family. My dad's been a hockey coach my whole life. Um, I ended up playing soccer because that's what my older sister played. And I wanted to be more like her than my dad when I was little. So soccer won out over hockey. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I grew up playing a bunch of different sports. Uh, I went to college. Um, my sister went to college for sports. I have a little brother who's now playing college sports. My dad's still coaching. And so sports have always kind of been ingrained in every aspect of my family. Um, but with that, there's a lot of ups and downs. And I think I had the really unique experience of seeing the athlete's perspective and getting the athlete's um, experience, but also going home and talking to a coach and getting a coach's perspective and really having a good 360 view of all of these different things that go into not just success, but just the journey of what sports are. Um, and as I got older, I saw that kind of landscape shift quite a bit, right? When the college conversation starts coming up and um, even though I grew up with a coach who that was his job, that was my family's kind of main source of income was sports. I never really saw them as a job or something that's supposed to like pay you back. Um, I always saw it as something that I just loved to do. And it was a big part of who I was. And then I went to college and that whole experience changed. I didn't play all four years at college. And when I, I left the sport, I started studying sports psychology because I wanted to figure out how can I make this experience what I want it to be? And how can I help athletes navigate some of the things that I struggle to navigate myself? So I went to grad school, studied sports psych, started my own consulting business. I work primarily with like prep school and collegiate athletes. I've had some other athletes a little bit older that compete professionally or internationally. Um, I also teach full time. So really ingrained with that kind of adolescent age group. And uh, currently, I'm also working as a mental skills coach for USA Hockey's NTDP. So um, I cover a wide range of sports. I have found quite a niche in a lot of hockey and soccer, just given my background. Um, but yeah, uh, my journey just evolved from being the kid that loved playing to someone who, even though I tried to walk away from the sport, I, I couldn't imagine a life without it. So I found a new role. Well, that's awesome. Uh, you know, I, you mentioned two things. You meant something that pays you back. Um, and I read, I was able to read um, a section of your book that you were gracious enough to send along. And it talks about the exchange 
which I found a lot with, you know, the journey with my son, particularly in hockey, because it's so expensive that parents try to justify the expense of hockey with the thought that, oh, well, you'll get a D1 scholarship, right? And you'll save me that money in college. And, you know, it might not be verbalized, you know, but I think you working with the kids, I think it's really important that you share your, your, your biggest challenges with the kids, with the young athletes, because I don't think the parents know, like they, I don't think parents are, you know, malevolent. I think they're, most of them are really good parents. It's just, they get involved in this and they kind of lose their mind and they start putting these crazy pressures, either knowingly or unknowingly on the young athlete, particularly the exchange, like, okay, well, you know, you got to get up at six to go skating lessons. And in the parents' mind, it's like, because he's got to skate better than the other kid because he's got to get that D1 scholarship because I invested 12000 this year. You know, so let's talk about that exchange because I think that's important. Sorry about that. Is that a puppy? Uh, that is. It's my dog. What do you got? Um, she's a, a mix. I don't know. She walked away, so I can't even show you. But nice. kind of like an English Springer Spaniel Border Collie Aussie mix. Yeah, we got a couple down here. I have one. I'm not sure what we even call it, but then the other one's a yellow lab. They'll probably yeah. make an appearance at some point. But but talk about the exchange there, because I think that it's it's important for if the parents that are listening, they may not realize. I think it's important that they realize that. Yeah, and, and I don't think there's any really one person to place blame on, because it is so easy to get caught up in all of it, right? Just the structure of sports today, you and I touched on it briefly before we started, it is designed as like, okay, what is the next thing that we're trying to reach, right? You, you play with your town team. Now, okay, what's the more elite travel team? And you make that travel team, what's the regional team? And, and there is a clear structure that really sets these clear steps or process for people to like reach the next level. And then once you're at that next level, it's okay, what's the next level? And there's not really a lot of appreciation just for like where you're at or what you're doing in that moment. Um, and I think what's the most frustrating for me is especially working with high school athletes. Sometimes I've had, I've heard kids say, well, I don't think I can play in college. So like, what's the point of playing in high school? Well, let, let me interrupt you there because do you think that whole process of what's the next level, do you think that's coming from the, like, listen, there, there are certain young athletes at a very young age, they're very driven, whether that's internal or whether that's coming from an outside source, a parent or, or what have you. And then there's kids that just want to play. You know, I think as parents, we, and I say we, cause I've screwed up plenty of times in the course of my kids' journeys. It's like, we, as soon as they hit a certain level, um, even though they may not be the best kid, we want them to get to the next level. And I think a lot of it has to do with parent ego, which is a whole different story. But do you see that coming more from the athletes trying to get to the next level or, or from the parents? And I'm talking at a young age. Obviously, when the kid is 15, 16, 17, he gets that inner drive or she gets that inner drive where I think she pushes herself. But younger, it's just happening too much at the U8 age group in hockey where it's nuts and it shouldn't be. Yeah, I mean, I think it's both. I think it becomes internalized, but the kids get it from somewhere, right? And it's, it's yeah. a lot of comparison. Um, I don't think parents and coaches often realize, especially at a young age, how aware kids really are and how much information they're absorbing and how much they're listening, um, even when you're not talking directly to them. 
And so those young athletes can hear comparisons being made, whether it's coaches talking about ability and skill level or just natural talent or parents talking about what their kids are doing. And so it's just being around this environment that is so focused on comparison and rating and judgment. And it, you can't avoid it in sports, right? Because there is an element of judgment and scoring and making teams. But um, especially at that young age, once when they're around it, they absorb it and then it becomes internalized. And then they start self-evaluating and not necessarily always in the most productive, how can I get better look at my progress, but more critical and critiquing, what am I bad at? I'm not good enough. Look at how good everyone else is. Um, and so there's there's this constant, like instead of having a mirror and just reflecting on themselves, you're constantly looking at a window, looking at other people and looking at what others are doing and how they're doing and listening to people talk. So I, I think it's both. I think it, it it becomes internal because the kids are exposed to it. I, I think what's what's important, and I'm not sure what your dad's coaching style was, but I think you know, you allude into some of the stuff that I read, that that team concept. We just talked about, hey, paying the kids for goals or whatever and how detrimental that can be because, you know, the kid could be coming down, whether it's soccer, hockey or whatever, and say, oh, I really it would be the better, you know, play to pass. But if I get a goal, I'm getting five dollars. Right. So um, I think from a, that, that whole sense of culture, team culture, you can make a kid that might be a fourth line and we'll kind of stick to hockey because that's, you know, where we're, we're at. And we can allude to soccer is kind of the same. My daughter plays lacrosse, but um, you can get a kid that is a fourth line hockey player that the coach can make that kid. And he doesn't really have to stretch to make them because the fourth line is, is really important to do their job. It may not be the goals they're scoring, but it may be the defensive plays or the or the forecheck or what might have you and I think the idea that a coach can create a team culture that makes every one of those kids even the backup goalie right like listen you're going to get out there you know whatever your job is you do it to your best of of your ability because there are different abilities right so you can't make a kid that's not um a great player um that elite great player um perhaps with hard work in a few years he can get there but if you really give them a job and a role, I think that's important. So I think the process of parents thinking that goals are the most important thing at a very young age, I think, have you found that that's a problem? Like who's the kid that gets held up? It's the kid that scores all the time, right? Yeah, and I think as a coach or as a parent, what you say implies or the things you talk about show a lot of insight into the things you value. Right. And so if you're a parent or you're a coach that is constantly praising goals or even if you want to take it outside of sports and athletic zone and talk about academics. Right. Are you a parent that praises and emphasizes scoring goals, winning games? Are you emphasizing grades and getting A's? Are you emphasizing these outcomes that you want your kid to have? Or are you someone that is really paying attention to like the process that goes into those eventual outcomes? Right. Are you crediting your kid for the really good play and the effort that they put in that they didn't score, but they did the right stuff? Maybe the goalie robbed them, right? Maybe you just got an unlucky bounce. Are you praising your kid for the hard work and the studying that they're putting in every night before the test, before the quiz? Um, and so it's really obvious to kids, and this is where they get their perception of like, okay, what's important, what's valued? Well, no one's ever told me like, 
great effort getting back and stopping that that other goal or great vision everyone only pays attention and celebrates me when i actually score or everyone only cares about like me getting that a on the test at the end and so all of these things that are celebrated all of these things that we do pay attention to we can change that culture by really celebrating and emphasizing the process that goes into that and the outcome is never going to be guaranteed. And so celebrating and emphasizing that process is going to have more value and be more motivating long-term because as soon as those outcomes stop, then that motivation disappears. And no matter how good you are, you're going to have scoring slumps. No matter how good your team is, you're going to lose games. And so being able to really emphasize the process is going to help you stay motivated and find things to celebrate, especially when things get hard, which is when you need your motivation and your confidence the most. Yeah, a thousand percent. It's funny. I, um, you know, I've done this before and I, I put it on my social media last week. I was sitting in the car in traffic and I was thinking about it. Um, you know, and I, I just encourage parents to, for this weekend's um, games, to find a kid on the other team that showed a real passion, um, a real work ethic. Um, that you really enjoyed watching play and it didn't have to be, it's even better if it wasn't the kid that was scoring necessarily, but just someone that had a smile on their face, was having fun working hard with their teammates and then find them after the game or her after the game and go up and say, Hey, I'm a parent on the other team and I really enjoyed watching you play. Um, And if I could tell that to everyone out there, I would, because I think that goes, and particularly if the parent or parents is with that child at the time, because Hearing it from an outside source, somebody you don't even know, I think goes goes so far in that young child's development and excitement that, hey, somebody noticed me out there other than my mom and dad or other than coach. And um, I would encourage everybody to do that. Um, it's, a, it's a simple act of kindness that I think can go a long way. Definitely. And those moments are memorable, right? You, when you hear the same things from the same people every day or every week, they all kind of blur together when suddenly someone new says something that sticks with you. Yeah. And, and, you know, mental toughness, you know, everybody thinks about physical agility, physical toughness, right? You know, you're in the gym, you're working out, whatever you're doing. Um, but, you know, you mentioned again in, in the book that mental toughness can be learned, right? Like, you know, you can really um, work on it uh, at a young age. Can you just talk about that and what, how you, deal with your clients and the athletes and these young athletes on trying to, you know, really um, build their mental toughness. Because like you said, it's uh, sports is, even though it's youth sports, it's ups, it's downs, it's highs, it's lows. So, so how do you approach that with your athletes? Yeah, I've kind of created my own unique approach to it. Um, I conceptualize mental toughness as um, these three main components, right? And so from, a 360 or kind of far perspective mental toughness is really just being able to persist and maintain your confidence your effort and your focus um, even when things aren't going your way right so it's easy to do well and stay focused and be confident when things are going your way but in order to be mentally tough you need that adversity to actually demonstrate it you need those challenges and those obstacles to demonstrate that toughness and Um, A lot of times I think we overlook all of the components that go into that. So like I said, I've conceptualized it as these three main avenues. One is emotional. 
one is physical and then the other is cognitive. So the emotional component is like, there's so many highs and lows in sports, right? And especially in hockey in a 30 second shift, let alone in a whole season, you can experience the highest <laughs> yeah. highs and the lowest of lows. True. Um, the physical part is just like physical fatigue. Yes. You're going to train so you can be as fit, um, as possible, but in a really tough game at the end of the third period, like your coaches want you to leave it all on the ice. So we want you playing tired at the end of the game. Cause if you're not tired, you're not, you're not giving us everything you have. And so managing and pushing through that physical fatigue and maybe even a little bit of like physical pain or aches that are going to exist. And then the cognitive component, which I think is what most people overlook is that kind of mental processes that are involved in sports. So like cognitive is like your thought process and your decision-making. It's anything that's going through your brain. And as an athlete, you are making more decisions and processing more information per second than maybe in any other context in the world. In the context that you're in is changing, right? You're tracking five skaters on your team, five skaters on the other team, a puck in the goalies, and everyone's constantly moving. And so you need to take in more information as it changes and decide what you're going to do and how you're going to respond. And that mental process is overwhelming. And when you're more physically tired and more emotional, your decision-making drops, right? If you watch a really tough overtime game, most often the team that wins isn't from a beautiful play. It's from a mental mistake the other team made, right? It gets uglier and uglier as the game goes on because we're getting more tired. And so our brain gets tired along with our body. Um, And so when I conceptualize it and look at those three different avenues, then there's three different ways you can approach it. Um, Sometimes you can like zero in on one of those. Sometimes they overlap. So I think when you're physically tired and then you start getting emotional, whether it's frustration or nerves or anger, those overlap. And that's where you see like your body language and your self-talk start to drop, right? What's the first thing to go when you start getting emotional and you're tired? Your head drops down, your shoulders drop. You start telling your and saying things to yourself you shouldn't be saying. Um, when it comes to that cognitive part and the emotional part, so when your decision-making and your emotions overlap, that's where you start seeing your focus start to drift. So do we want to kind of tap into what are we focusing on? What are we paying attention to? And how do we really kind of reel in our focus? And then where your cognition and your physical part overlaps, that's those clutch plays. Are you able to make the right decisions and the right plays when you're physically tired, when it really counts? Um, And so by having these three different things that come together, it helps us kind of identify where do we want to focus our attention for each individual athlete. Um, And it can be all of them. Um, It can be one or two, but it kind of helps us have more clear guidelines on, okay, well, how do we go and approach this? How do you train the mental aspect of the game and the decision-making? How do you train yourself to navigate and manage the emotions? And how do you train yourself to manage that physical fatigue? And how do you juggle it all at once? Yeah, that, that, that's certainly a lot. But I think that has to be introduced at a young age. And I think you hit on a few points. I, I want to I stay along the adversity part of it. Um, I think what I found with more and more parents as my kids went through the process, and like I said, my my son is the last one. He's 18. He's playing junior hockey now, and he'll be playing college hockey in the next year or two. Um, so I, I guess I have five or six more years in this, my wife and I. But we never really, as parents, we never really got involved. Um, you know, I didn't play hockey. Uh, I didn't play lacrosse. I didn't play soccer. I played baseball. None of my kids played baseball. So I, I knew nothing about it. But um, the, the sports my kids were playing. I obviously learned I was a hockey fan, but 
we let our kids deal with the adversity from a very young age on their own. I think now the trend, unfortunately, is when parents see their kids, deal, you know, confronting adversity, whatever that might be. Oh, my God, you didn't play a lot. And it's funny because the kid doesn't even like the parent usually brings it up and the kid's like, what? Huh? Like, you know, so the whole parent issue is tough, but they take their kids. I've, I've seen so many parents take their kids out of a organization, if you will. I mean, sure, there are legitimate times to do it, but for maybe not just for adversity alone and try to put them in a situation where they think there's no adversity and they could be a very good player. And by the time they hit 14, that very good player who was a, first line guy, star, he's got to deal with adversity on his own and he's not prepared to do that. So can you please talk to parents right now and tell them why it's important to let their kids go through adversity? Because at the end of the day, you can't learn, you can't, uh, and listen, we all want, from a parent, we use sports to make our kids successful in life, right? Not to play D1 college or not to go to professional sports, but to to be successful in life, to deal with adversity. But I think parents, they drag them out of there too quickly. But tell them, please, Julia, tell them to let them deal with adversity. Yeah, I mean, I am a big proponent for failure and mistakes and error and adversity in everyone's life experience, but especially sport. And I think it's one of the most misguided but well-intended things that not just parents do, but teachers do, coaches do. Um, we want to love and protect those that we're raising, that we're responsible for. And in that process, by trying to protect them, we end up doing a disservice to them, um, right? If you take them out of a situation- Can you say that one more time, please? Parents, we're doing, trying we're to doing protect a disservice your kids. To our athletes, right? Um, but I think too, like if your response, not just like, robbing them of that experience that they can learn so much from, because I think we can all, if we sit down and think about it, acknowledge that there's a lot of value in that experience, right? When you go through something difficult, you learn so much more. I mean, I've told my athletes, winning is the easiest thing in the world. Like the act of winning and earning a win is really hard, but winning itself is so easy. Losing is one of the hardest things that you're going to go through, but it's more valuable than winning because it's going to teach you so much more about yourself, about who you are as a person, about who you are as an athlete, and you can learn so much more and grow so, so much more from that loss. And it's really hard to win without losing beforehand. Um, and if you are winning and having this kind of flawless journey, you are going to cap your experience um, a lot earlier than it could have, right? Because you don't have those experiences that are going to be molding you and pushing you. You're going to be kind of plateauing at this level. But beyond the value of negative experiences and failure and losing, I think we also have to think about like, what are we communicating to kids when we automatically remove them from situations that are difficult? We're indirectly telling them that we don't think you have what it takes to handle this. We don't think you can navigate the situation here. Let me come rescue you. Let me save you from this so you don't have to deal with it. And then as they get older, never having had to deal with it, they're constantly going to be looking for, well, yeah, this is a situation I can't handle because people always saved me from it and told me that this was bad um, or something I shouldn't go through or don't have to go through. Um, and so there, there is this messaging that we send to kids that like, Failure is the worst thing in the world. Struggling is so bad, you shouldn't have to do it. 
um, oh my God, I don't think you should have to go through this experience or I don't think you have what it takes to navigate this experience. So here, let me save you from that rather than being like, you know what, this is tough, but like, I think it's really good for you. And I think you're, you're the type of person that can handle it. And if you let them figure out if they are the type of person that can handle it, they, they will become the person that can handle it. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And listen, I, I, I joke a little bit about that situation, but you know, I am a parent and you do want to make sure your kids have a great experience and you want to protect them. Um, but really, I, I found it, um, you know, that, that too many parents are making too many moves. I mean, you know, they're, they're, I, you know, I told my son when he started playing hockey, I said, listen, me and mom will give you the best opportunity to chase this as long as you want to chase it. Um, we're going to stay local. Like we never, you know, he worked, played for two organizations. Um, both were within 15 minutes of where we lived, 20 minutes of where we lived, um, we weren't necessarily going to drive two hours or 90 minutes each way to practice um, three times a week. And then the games, you know, it's just, it's just a lot. And I think if you um, do what you can to give them their opportunity, you're right. If they hit some adversity, they're better for it. Um, everything I got is the name of the book. What, at what point did you say, you know, what? I really need to put my thoughts down and share this because I think it's amazing. I really do. And I think it's amazing. I would imagine you, you, created the book for it, it are the kids and the athletes or is it the parents or both or what, what was your thought process when you said i really have to put this down and and put a book together honestly all of the above um i think there there's some chapters or lessons that are really really geared towards athletes but there's others you're going to notice are a little bit more geared towards coaches and i think that's because after i was done being the athlete i did become the coach right and so it I really felt like I identify with like all the different um, steps in this journey and all the different perspectives, right? I, I've been the athlete, I've been the coach, I've also been the family member, I've been the fan. And so there's, there's lessons that apply to every perspective. And there's moments that I think everyone involved in this game and even people who necessarily aren't super sports oriented, but still want to kind of perform in some way or achieve something in their life can relate to. Um, when I started writing it down, that's a little bit harder because to be honest, some of these things, I dug through old high school and college notebooks and started mm -hmm. piecing stuff together. So I was always a kid that loved to write, um, and just reflect. And sometimes it made no sense. Sometimes there were some things that made a lot of sense, but it was about a year and a half ago, two years ago. And I was like, let me, I, I've always wanted to write a book. Um, I never really knew what the book was going to be. But uh, it was kind of mid-pandemic-ish that I was like, let me see what I have kind of collected over the years and just my casual writing and reflecting. And it, at first, it was a very confusing and chaotic um, story of um, my experiences. And then after about a year and a half of really trying to organize it more, I, I ended up with these 30 lessons, which was pretty cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to, to see it because I think the, the, the chapter that you gave me or the lesson that you gave me hit on so many of the points that I've been through as a parent. And I think my kids have been through um, as young athletes. Um, your dad, now he may, he may watch this. So I, like, do you ever discuss with your dad, because he's been coaching for, I would imagine, 
it's got to be close to 25, 30 years if he was doing it when you're growing up and you're now, whatever. But do you ever talk to him about the change of the athlete and what the athlete of was when he started coaching and the athlete of today and the young person of today is there? Does he see a difference or do you talk about that difference? Because obviously there were there, there weren't mental skills coached back when your dad started. Yeah, I mean, we talk about it all the time. We talk about all different aspects of the game. I think for me, one of the coolest moments that I'll never forget was probably my second year of grad school. I was studying sports psychology. Um, and so this was 2015, so seven, eight years ago. Um, and I, I've always looked up to both my parents as kind of the people with all the answers. I think um, a lot of people grow up and they have some people who they think have it all figured out, whether it's your coach or your teachers or just adults in general. And, and the older you get, the more you realize that there's not always clear answers for everything and you're not always going to know everything. Um, but my parents were always the people I always turned to whenever I had a question or needed guidance. And so I'll never forget when I was in grad school, um, I talked to my parents quite frequently. So I was on the phone with my dad and he paused for a second and then he goes, so this happened today. Let me know what you think about it. And I, I froze because it was, I was like, wait, you're asking me, you, you want my, my opinion, my advice. And How cool was that? It, it, it was so cool. Like I still like, I'll never forget the phone call. And it was just such an interesting moment for me. And it was very validating for like, the things that I was doing that I was studying that he he found value in kind of my insight and thought that maybe I had some insight that he didn't have. So um, we do talk about these things all the time, especially when it comes to the evolution of kind of mental skills and mental performance and how things are changing and how things are changing for the better um, and the awareness and the resources are growing, but also how Sometimes there are certain elements, I think, of our world and our society that are making it more difficult. Um, and so, yeah, we have those conversations quite a bit. And, and then just touch on, you know, when you're dealing with the athletes, not to give any specific, but well, I mean, I, I just think that the anxiety and stress and, and mental illness now, if you will, like, I think, you know, there's just so much out there in the world, I think, you know, these things, you know, you could probably put a lot on for sure. Um, but um, how how important is it for for these young athletes to take a day off, right? To to re re regenerate or or just get away from the sport for a little bit. Um, and not only that, but like your thoughts on multiple sports, being a multiple multiple sport athlete. A lot of the coaches nowadays, they're very you know, listen, it's become a business. I get it. You know, there's money to be made. Um, there's brands to be built in terms of travel teams. So a lot of these athletes, a lot of these coaches don't allow their kids to play, uh, play more than one sport because they're training just about 11, 12 months a year now. It's crazy. But what are your thoughts on, you know, kids getting away from the game a little bit, changing up the sport, playing multiple sports, getting a new coaching perspective, a new group of kids to hang out with? that type of thing. I mean, I think it's so valuable. I understand the challenge, especially as you get older and kind of further into high school, the the pressure and the need some field to kind of specialize in one sport, but especially before high school, play the more sports you can, be on more teams, get more experiences. Because like you said, not only do you get kind of a little bit of a mental break, you're going to train different muscles. You're going to 
learn different skills that are going to help you in whatever you consider your main sport to be. And I think most importantly, you're going to have different roles on different teams. And so the the experience I have so many athletes that are maybe the the star player or the captain or the person with the most pressure on one team, but then in another season, they they're just another kind of maybe a fourth liner if it were hockey, right? And they get to experience team sports from a very different perspective. They get to see what it's like to be in a different role, which is going to make them a better teammate. It's going to make that is such incredible advice. Oh my gosh, that is so so. You are so on point with you know excellent at, at hockey, fourth line at lacrosse or whatever, or vice versa, and understanding the roles. Like that's that's so on point. And especially, right, for those kids who, if you are someone that wants to continue in the future, you may be a first liner now, but if you keep moving up, eventually we all hit um, a point where we're at a level where we aren't the go-to person and now we are in a different role. And so if you've had that experience in another sport, it's going to help you navigate what you consider your primary focus. Um, And and again, it's just super important and it, it helps you remember the real value is that like these are fun games that we're playing with friends to like learn things about ourselves, and so i think it's so valuable the amount of times i've had athletes even um playing at the division one level in college or competing internationally where my homework for them if you will in our sessions is to go do something else or spend a day away from the rink um, it is frequently something that I assign my athletes to do to just kind of shake it up and give themselves both a physical and a mental break. Your your brain needs a break, but so does your body too. And sometimes that's hard, especially for high achievers who feel like there's always something they could be doing to improve. Well, you know, you know what? I was going to wrap it up, but I, you just sparked one more question. You must feel with the alpha male, like the MTDP program, right? National Training Development Program, right? Yeah. You, yeah. you have the best hockey players in the country, right? Kids that are the best of the best in their state or, you know, whatever. And then they go to this program and it's like, holy crap, I'm not the best anymore. Like, have you experienced with those guys, those those top line elite athletes having to deal with not being the first line guy and having to transition a little bit to 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 help the team and, and be be not the guy anymore? I mean, I've experienced that at every level. I've experienced that with a lot of college teams, a lot of college players. And so, of course, that's an experience no matter where you go, anytime it's the next level, whatever that next level is, that that's going to happen, right? Um, and so, yeah, that's a, that's a true story for almost any athlete that keeps moving up, right? Um, whether you were the star in high school and then you go play juniors and suddenly everyone there was the star at high school, whether you, you're now you're going to college and everyone in college was the star where they came from. So I don't think that's unique to that program. I think that's just the nature of the game. Um, I do have to say I'm so fortunate to get to work with that those group of guys because they are so not just committed, but they love the game. Um, They are so willing to learn and get better and they're willing to listen. And um, I feel very fortunate to get to work with that group of guys. And it's no surprise to me that they are where they are because they are, they are very coachable in the sense that they ask for feedback. They want to know what they can do and they take it and they apply it. And then they're willing to reflect on it and continue to grow their game. So 
while they're all at the top of where they could be for their age group, um, none of them are satisfied or content with where they are, and they all are aware that they're still continuing to grow and improve and are excited to do that and to dive into it. So, Man, that's just how, you know, it's funny. I never played hockey, but when I my son got into hockey, I will tell you, I've never seen a culture, and I'm not sure what to attribute it to. Maybe it's the handshake at the end, like of the, the playoffs, the games. Um, but hockey kids are just a different breed. They have an incredible amount of integrity, a credible amount of respect for the game and, you know, for the other team after the whistle blows. Um, and it's great to hear that about those guys, but I'm actually not not surprised. But listen, it's been great. I can't wait for the book. Um, you know, if you don't mind giving your social uh, media um, sites here, because I, I want anybody listening to this, follow um, Julia on whether it's Twitter or whether it's Instagram. Um, start sucking up her content because what she's saying is so, so important, especially to you young parents out there that you understand um, the mental side of what your child is going to uh, experience in, in youth sports and as they go through the process and get older. And um, this is really great content. The book is going to be invaluable um, to you young parents out there. So Julia, if you don't mind, just um, give all your uh, social sites here. And uh, the book is everything I got. And it'll probably be out sometime in February, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the best place to follow is on Instagram. So it's Elaine Mental Performance, just my last name, A-L-L-A-I-N, Mental Performance. Um, I post updates for my book there. So it officially went into print last week. So I'm super excited. It takes around 14 um, weeks. So once I get an official date of when it will be released, it will be available on Amazon. Um, I will make sure to post that. I can also send the Amazon link to you as well. Um, so you have it. Um, and yeah, I post kind of sneak peeks of the book every week, every Monday, I post a new lesson. So if you're eager to get some of that content, you can always get it there. Yeah, well, thanks for coming on. I think what you're doing is incredible. I'm so happy for you that you transitioned from what you love and, and what your family was involved in to kind of make this a career. And that's even a, a good lesson for the young people out there to, um, that, you know, are doing something that they love, for, you know, youth sports and, and, and taking that experience and going out there making a profession out of it and helping uh, young athletes and young parents as well there whose kids are, are playing sports. So we will absolutely uh, uh, keep an eye on, out for the book and uh, appreciate you coming on the Extended Chill podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. All right. Have a great day. You too.